Praise the Lord. This morning I want to talk about the unfolding vision and dedicate this to the 40 years of this ministry. Lessons that we can all learn because vision is what makes life move on. Everyone here has a vision. No matter how small it may seem, but you are a woman and a man of vision. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, and I read the Good News Bible. It reads as follows. I alone know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster. Plans to bring about the future you hope for. God has plans for you. Tell your neighbor, God has plans for me. Tell the other one, God has plans for you. And these plans are not to harm us. They are to bring prosperity and not disaster. These plans have to do with the future. And they, they bring hope. The future is very much what vision is about. Because as somebody defined vision as, vision is a picture of a preferable future. But vision as well unfolds. Many people start out on their journey of vision and somewhere down the line they stop or get discouraged or get distracted. Ours is to stay on the path of vision. If I could do something this morning is to encourage you please to stay on the path of God's vision for your life. No matter how long it may take to come to pass, because truly this is the story of the church here. In the early days of ministry, I wasn't one who was to pause and celebrate the milestones we had achieved in ministry. You know, we didn't take much pictures. and I didn't do much journaling. Until several years later, when I realized that the outcomes of the journey of life are always never the same. There are people who set out to achieve certain things. And on face value, when you look at all the plans they've made, things should work out. But for some reason, somehow, things did not work out. It made me to start appreciating any smaller than a milestone. No matter what it was, I realized that for vision to unfold, it's a blessing. And it's a grace from God. I don't know if you've been there or you've seen other people or you've read about others where everything should be working. On paper, their life should be different. Truly speaking, if everything is in its rightful place, they shouldn't be where they are. But that, that's where they are. They haven't moved on in life. And for that reason, it's important for us to stop, pause, celebrate any milestone that has to do with vision and learn to be, have hearts that are grateful. Therefore, I'm going to just go through a fraction of the unfolding vision of this ministry. 40 years is no small thing. That this church started in 1979 
and it's still here today. That's not a small thing at all. And I believe we need to be grateful to God for the grace that God has carried this this church through. Can we just give the Lord a much bigger hand than that and be grateful? Yeah. And I think that's why you must make up your mind to come to celebration. You need to register and, and you need to be part of celebration because 40 years is no small thing at all. Tell your neighbor, 40 years is no small thing at all. I, 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 I always tease my, my Ghanaian sisters and brothers. When they say that, they will say 40 years is no small thing at all. Tell your neighbor, it's no small thing at all. It's no small thing at all. And so, even next week, as we'll be celebrating the birthday of our dad, Pastor Ray McCauley, we're going to receive a special offering for him in appreciation for him being a faithful servant. Can I hear an amen? Hmm? Leading a church for 40 years, let me hear you, is no small thing at all. And not, not, not just to lead, but to lead faithfully, you know. Pastor Ray, after completing Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, he returned to South Africa to open a church. Dr. Kenneth Hagin supported this wholeheartedly, confirming Pastor Ray's call into ministry. So he came armed with the prophecy from Dr. Hagin and Dr. Fred Price, and the first service was held in his parents' home on the first Sunday of June 1979. In case you don't know, it was the 3rd of June, 1979. This service was attended by 13 people. Can you believe? 13 people, just two rows. It was attended by the two rows, 13 people. I'm talking about the history here, but I'm talking about your history as well. 13 people. Wow. Within six weeks, it was impossible to continue using his parents' home for church meetings as there was no space. By August 1979, the attendance had grown to 250 people. I think that's just like the choir here. Just, I mean, really, I mean, really. Added to this problem, the neighbors began complaining about the traffic congestion and inconvenience. They didn't have an inkling that revival was on their doorstep. So the search for a bigger venue and premises began, and a cinema was found in the suburb of Rosebank, Johannesburg, which was being rented for 600 rands a month. When money was money those days. <laughs> I'm gonna show you the picture. The Constantia Cinema would sit 600 people and the congregation continued to grow rapidly. Once again, the attendance grew to a point that it was impossible to find a seat and people began lining the aisles. After only 18 months, Pastor Ray had to hold three services each Sunday in order to accommodate 2,500 member congregation. Yeah. And they were packed there on the Constantia Cinema. Children's church at that time was held in the foyer of the cinema during all three services, attracting over 100 children. On July 1980, whilst at camp meeting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the host, Dr. Kenneth Hagin, prophesied over Pastor Ray. And this prophecy was a confirmation that Rama was going to experience yet another transition and yet another move of God. So the search began yet again for an even bigger venue. 
Pastor Ray and the leaders decided to move into the heart of Johannesburg, where they were able to hire a 2,000-seater Colosseum Cinema in August of 1980. We're going to look for the picture of that. We don't have the picture. While they were using the Colosseum, Pastor Ray felt that it was time to look for a more permanent site, and the leadership began looking for a suitable property. Three months later, November 1980, Pastor Ray was told of a space to rent a building in Randberg. Upon seeing it, he knew that God wanted him to buy it. The building would be ideal for a large auditorium, a bookshop, a Bible training center, and administrative offices. So the three-story building was, had sufficient parking, and it was ideally situated on Jansmas Avenue. You can see that picture in Johannesburg. This building was owned by Tony Factors, a highly successful businessman. Needless to say, Tony Factor was skeptical that the church could not afford a building like that. So after several meetings, an agreement was reached and Rema purchased the property for $2.2 million and leased a small area of the warehouse back to Tony Factors. Upon signing the purchase agreement, Rema agreed to pay a cash amount of $50,000 within a certain period. Although Pastor Ray knew that he didn't have the full amount, he was convinced that God would provide. Oh, God will provide for your vision no matter who you are. Oh, the answer came a day before it was due during the service at the Colosseum Cinema. Included in the offering was the exact amount that was needed. Pastor Ray is quick to testify of God's goodness. God is our source and has never failed to meet our needs. God is true to his word. So beyond all expectations, Rema then had a place called home, at least for the next four years. <laughs> and the new auditorium would accommodate 2,500 people. That's where I started working at Rema at the time. There was a great sense of anticipation as Dr. Kenneth Hagin dedicated this new facility on the 23rd of March, 1981. This was the dawn of a new day for Rema. For the first time since pioneering the church in 1979, now they had a place called home. However, the membership increased, there was a need for more permanent pastors, and by God's grace, the ministry continues to grow. There was now a need for a larger building, and a process of embarking on this new phase began. And so in November of 1982, Rema submitted an application to the Randbeck Town Council to develop a new property. They went through lots of problems, a lot of opposition, and them not agreeing to it. Not only that, what made it more complex was that this was not a normal-sized church. Because there were other churches in the place, but this church, given its size, this is not normal. So the council, even if they were sympathetic, they, they were not really sure if Rema could do this. Not only that, some of the neighbors in the neighborhood were not too glad about this Thing happening. However, finally, everything began to work out. And so, Rema was told that they need to widen the road, they need to install the traffic lights at the entrance. Even if this wasn't the usual thing, they had to make sure that they upgrade everything at the cost of 200,000 rands. To complicate this, a thousand names from the residents signed a petition to try and block the project. But God being God, on the 15th of January 1984, a dedication of this building was made right here in this place. The service was held under the tent. And so this dedication service gave some of the residents who were opposed to this project an opportunity to raise objections. 
But in spite of all the objections, God has prevailed. And as we say, the rest is history. Can you give the Lord a big hand of praise? Hallelujah. You see, we must constantly strive for to reach forward and reach to the front to grab what God has in store for us. Why? Because if you don't allow vision to be the driving force of your life, you'll always be frozen and imprisoned in your past. Every one of us here, we can have a sad story to tell. Every one of us, there's a time in our lives where we experience something that if we were to tell the story good enough, we would be justified to be frozen to the past. But you see, when God gives vision to your life, he wants you to grab the future. And God says, grab the future that I have planned for you. Because I've planned a future for you. And the future that I've planned for you is full of hope. Therefore, we must intentionally and consciously always remind ourselves, I'm a visionary and my vision is unfolding. We must remind ourselves. We must tell everybody we see, you know what, my friend? My future looks better than my past. Maybe things didn't happen so well yesterday, but there is a future that God has for you. But even if God has a future for me and for you, we must take initiative. Instead of waiting for life to self-correct. There are people who are just waiting and hoping that things will fall in place. And so what do they do? They move passively into life, hoping that something by coincidence will happen. And I want to say this morning, Refuse to passively wait for opportunities to come your way. But rather, prayerfully, move forward and take action. Can I hear an amen? The scripture Pastor Ray loves, and I'll read it again. You've heard it so many times, so we keep reading it. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13. I read the King James Bible. It says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived. Angafiigi. I haven't arrived. I don't count myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And listen to the expression. And reaching forth to those things which are before. Can I hear an amen? amen. The Bible in basic English reads, Brethren, it is clear to me that I have not come to that knowledge. But one thing I do, letting go those things which are past and stretching out to those things which are before. The contemporary English version says, my friends, I don't feel that I have already arrived. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you haven't seen anything yet. I haven't arrived at all. <laughs> Do it like our brother in Ghana and say, I haven't arrived at all, at all. I haven't arrived at all. He says, my friends, I don't feel that like I've arrived but I forget what is behind. Listen to what it says. And I struggle for what is ahead. If your vision is going to unfold, if vision is going to unfold in my life, I have to do a reaching forth, a stretching forth, a struggling forth. It's not going to just happen. It's not going to be delivered on my lap. I've got to do something. Vision is important because without vision, things fall apart. Without vision, there's no future. Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, people perish. The Revised Standard Version says, where there is no prophecy, remember that, where there's no prophecy, the people cast off restraint. 
In other words, when someone doesn't have a vision, they don't have a future to look forward to, they live an unrestrained life. See, they, 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 they are not conscious and intentional about how they spend their lives. The NIV says, where there's no revelation, remember that, prophecy, vision, revelation, remember those three. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Now note this, revelation and prophecy, when you read in the Bible, both of them unfold the future. Please write that down, this is important. Revelation and prophecy, both of them unfold the future. So we see the King James Version says where there is no vision, people perish. The Revised Standard Version says where there is no prophecy, people cast off restraint. The NIV says where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. So it seems like the word vision equals prophecy equals revelation. I'm giving you a mathematical formula. Bible-based, spirit-filled, anointed mathematical formula. So vision equals prophecy equals revelation. Listen to this. Therefore, if prophecy and revelation unfold the future, all right? If prophecy and revelation unfold the future, and if prophecy equals vision and equals revelation and equals vision, then that means, therefore, Vision by nature unfolds the future. Listen to this. This is important. Vision unfolds. Vision becomes a reality. And for it to unfold, you have to walk in the fullness of that vision. Which means this. What you see when God is talking to you, you may be seeing the end product. What God doesn't tell you is the journey to get to the end product. See, there are many people who start well with great visions. Imagine, 40 years ago, in a, what is it, in a lounge, at a house. I don't know if Pastor Ray saw days like this. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But what happened in that house on, on, on God's agenda was supposed to be a continuing story. So if Pastor Ray didn't stay with the process, we wouldn't be seeing what we're seeing today. So if prophecy equals revelation and equals vision, it means that vision also unfolds the future. Vision, one translation says, where there's no progressive revelation, the people perish. So vision is a progressive revelation. When we speak about something that's progressive, it means it unfolds in steps, in phases. It means it's a process. It means, therefore, the fulfillment of your vision is not an event, it is a journey. And if you don't engage in the journey and become faithful in the journey, you're not going to see the fullness of what God has for you. You know why? Because what you think is the best doesn't equal what God says is your best. Because the Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love them. In other words, you haven't seen half of what God wants to do through your life. 1 Samuel 3.1 gives us an understanding of this word vision. Know this. It says, Now the young man Samuel was the servant of the Lord before Eli. Watch this now. It says, And in those days, 
The Lord kept his word secret from men and there was no open vision. Wow. The story of this time, this historical time, was that Eli, a prophet of God, very backslidden, still going about his religious business, but really far from God, and it affected things. And because of Eli's disconnection with God and what the nation was going through at that time, the Bible says the vision stopped. Just listen to this. This is important. The vision stopped. It says the word of the Lord was kept secret. There was no open vision. The literal translation says this. And the word of Jehovah was rare in those days. What's this now? How God gets our life moving is to speak into our hearts a thing called vision. So God comes to you in your static life that's not going anywhere, that is chained to the past. And God drops a word in your heart that shakes your world and moves you from a static life. So when that word comes into your life, it becomes vision. You, you, you incubate that word. You, you start thinking beyond where you are. You start seeing what you didn't see before. You start dreaming about what you're not dreaming about before. You start talking differently, behaving differently, seeing differently. You start, you start planning differently. You start walking differently because something has... Do we have people that God has dropped something in your heart? Not what it says. It says... I love this. It says... And the word of Jehovah was rare in those days. Then it says, there was no breakthrough vision. <laughs> so vision by nature gives you breakthrough. It makes you to break through your boring life. Your predictable life. It makes you break through your stagnant life. You move to another level because of vision. This verse suggests that the people in the days of Eli were locked in the moment. The people in the time of Eli were tied to their past. <laughs> the people in the time of Eli, they were like a picture that's taken. See, when you take a picture, you, 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 you capture a moment and you freeze a moment. A, a picture, a still picture, just freezes a moment. It records a moment as it is. That picture is only talking about that time. It's not talking about the future at all. What it says is these people in the time of Eli were imprisoned by their circumstances. Why? There was no vision. <laughs> there was no prophecy. There was no revelation. There was no inspired utterance. There was nothing that inspired them with a picture of a preferable future. Very interesting that the word vision really is an Anglo-French word. Actually, it's derived from Latin. The Latin word V-I-D-E-R-E. -E. You can pronounce it if you know Latin. I don't know Latin. But that word V-I-D-E-R-E D-E-R-E literally means to see. And when you study it more, that word V-I, D-E-R-E, describes... <laughs> you don't want, you want me to pronounce this? I'm not going to do that. That word, you're not ill. It describes the capacity... To be forward-looking and foresighted. 
Wow. The present tense of the word V-I-D-E-R-E <laughs> is the word V-I-D-E. Interestingly, that's the word where we derive the word video. Video. So the word vision and the word video is the same word. (laughs) Because vision unfolds in the same way a video unfolds the story. Listen. Vision carries the characteristics of a video. Because a video unfolds the story. But the story unfolds when you continue playing. As long as you don't press the pause button. (laughs) Watch, watch. What Satan wants to do is for you to press the pause button in your life. He takes a picture of a bad time and freezes a moment. What he doesn't tell you is that your life is the life of a visionary. Though you may see my frozen moment, that's not all there is to me. God wants to speak a word in your heart and press the unpause button so that the video of your life can continue. Now that this Yabo Mufaso, the Lion King is topical. I just forgot for a while I had a blank moment there. You know, it's been revived, the Lion King. You know, when you, when you watch the Lion King, at the beginning, uh, when you look at Simba having run away from Pride Rock and his dad had been killed and he's hanging around with Pumbaa and Timon. <laughs> Simba has reduced his life to a life of convenience. He is not who he really is because he has settled for second best. Yeah, he, he, he's doing his best to adapt and, and make a truce with being number two. And he, his theme song is Aguna Matara. <laughs> but one day as he's gone down to the river to go and have a sip of water, He gets a video. As he looks, he sees a picture of his dead. And I love what his dead does. He calls on the vision that's on inside of Simba. He says, Simba, Simba, you've forgotten who you are. You are not called to freeze the moment. You are not called to make a truce with failure. Singing Akuna Matata. Simba. I'm talking to Simba this morning. Please Simba. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget the vision that God has placed in your heart. And when a word drops in his heart. Simba begins to become a different guy because when vision gets hold of your heart, you become a different person. No matter what your background is, can I hear an amen in the house? And Simba comes back to life and gets back 
reaching forth, stretching, grabbing the unfolding story. Let me close quickly. See, there are two types of people or two states of being when it comes to people. There are those who are like the Akuna Matata Simba, we call them settlers. How many of you have settled next to a settler right now? <laughs> settlers. These ones are people with no vision. But then we have the other group that's always living on the edge of life. <laughs> Trying to build big auditoriums in places where they are not allowed to. <laughs> These are the people when they talk, you wonder, Chin Betuda, what's going on with them? <laughs> but I have a feeling that I'm looking at them here in an auditorium full of those kinds of people here this morning. These we call pioneers. These we call visionaries. See, settlers are more conservative. They, they are safe people. They, they, they live in the middle. They, they don't want to rock the boat. They, they, they comply to the status quo. <laughs> they quickly believe that it can be done. They are easy to be discouraged. You make one comment, they stop what they're doing because they want everybody to agree with them and they want to be liked by everybody. See, settlers, they don't like pushing the boundaries. They, 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 they prefer for things to stay pretty much the same way as they've always been. You know why? Because these settlers, they, they thrive on security. <laughs> they thrive on predictability. They don't mind. <laughs> they strive on stability. And these are people who say, let's do this. They ask why. <laughs> I mean, this is big enough. Why must we build another auditorium? Why, 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 why? They only focus on the present. And they only place their energy on preserving the past. They tend to be satisfied with the way Gunga Kona. Pioneers, on the other hand, are radical people. They enjoy taking risks. When Jesus describes this phase, he calls it the stage of new wine. Says, see, new wine, you can't put it in an old wine skin. Because new wine is unstable, it's effervescent, it's bubbling with life. You, you can't predict it. It wants to move on. These pioneers, they live on the edge. They're always pushing the boundaries. And they get in trouble, of course. Yes, they do. I like them. I'd rather have somebody who gets in trouble than someone who doesn't do anything and they never go anywhere. These pioneers, they seek to go where no one has gone before. Because see, God tells them things that are quite unusual. They thrive on adventure. They thrive on excitement. They thrive on taking new territory. Unlike settlers who ask why, pioneers ask, why not? Why can't we build a bigger building? Why can't we start this? They love expanding what exists and creating new things. These ones, they, they, they focus on the future. They place their energy on seizing new things. They are always thirsty. They are always hungry for more. And so this is what I want to ask you. Would you please 
Get into the driver's seat of your life. Instead of being a passive passenger. Would you please start reaching forth for the vision that God's placed in your life? Because remember, it's unfolding. If you're hanging around with Pumba and Timon, I'm here to tell you, it's time for you to go back to Pride Rock. It's time for you to go back to that time, no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging, God says, I have a plan for you. God says, I have a future for you. God says you will never be disappointed because it's a future that has hope. Can I hear an amen in the house? See, brothers and sisters, vision requires a passionate, relentless pursuit for its fulfillment. Vision never becomes a reality without action. Just like the best way to know any route, you need to drive on that route even if you get lost. So right. Anybody knows what I'm talking about. You'll finally get to the destination. I'd rather get lost on route to somewhere than stay at home being afraid to get lost and never even get into the car. God doesn't want us to merely sit around and wait passively for the future. God wants us to jump into this car called vision and drive. And when you drive a car, here's what God says. Here's what the Bible says. God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Hmm. Let me use the illustration of a car. See, when you're sitting in your car, let's call this car vision car. All right? Vision car. God says, I'm doing a new thing. He says that because a car has several glasses that are very helpful. You have the, 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 the windshield in front of you. All right? The windscreen, it's a glass. It helps you to look where you're going. All right? But then you have another glass, the mirror, that helps you to see where you are coming from. All right? But then you have other glasses on the side. It just shows you all the other people on your side who are overtaking who may distract you. God says, well, now get into your car called vision. I am doing a new thing. And he says, you know what? Whilst you are taking care of those who want to bump you, don't focus on where you are coming from. Look outside of the windshield where you're going because I am doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing in somebody's life and that new thing comes because God brings a vision in your heart. So get into your car called vision and begin moving forth and striving forth and reaching forth. And if it is that you attempted to drive your car and you got involved in a minor accident, just take it to the panel beaters and get it fixed and get back on track again. Habakkuk says the vision is for an appointed time. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come to pass. You know why it will surely come to pass? Because when God gives vision, he is not going to abandon you. He's not going to walk away from you. God's not going to forsake you. God's going to be there with you through thick and thin. You need to learn to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not be afraid of anything. Because the God who started this in you, Paul says, I am confident. Of this one thing that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion till the day of Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a big hand because that's your car called vision today. Hallelujah. Will you raise your hands together with me please? Will you begin to pray right where you are? We have a few more minutes. Just raise your voice and thank God for the message. And just begin to pray and pray and pray. I often say you need to marinate your vision in prayer. You need to soak your vision in prayer. Pray in the Holy Ghost, church. Pray in the Holy Ghost. 
pray in the Holy Ghost, children of God. As you thank God for the word and you commit yourself to fulfilling vision and you marinate or baptize your, your vision in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the things that you're doing in our lives. We thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy and your kindness. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray with passion. Pray with zeal. Pray with vim, vigor and vitality. Pray with vision, pray, pray with vim, vigor and vitality for the vision that God's given you. Oh God, I thank you that the vision that you've given me will never be made obsolete. It will never be held hostage. Why don't you hold somebody's hand and begin to pray for them? Hold their hand. Father, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister. I pray for these men and women of vision. Stir up the vision in their lives, oh God. Those who were discouraged, those who feel downtrodden, will you raise them up again? Those who are willing to throw in the towel, may they rise again. Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may you press the pause button in their lives and let the video begin to play again. Pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost, child of God. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Marinate that vision in prayer. Fill it with prayer. Put it in the hands of God. Lord, we know that all things are possible with God. And all things are possible to those who believe. Thank you that the ability we have is the ability that comes from you. Is the ability that has been deposited in our hearts by you. Oh, we bless your name. Just remain standing, everybody. Bow your heads, please, and close your eyes as you are standing. You see, for us, for our lives to move forward, it always begins with God. It always begins with a life that is yielded to Jesus Christ. Because definitely none of us is able to handle their lives by themselves. We try many times to live in a way that honors God and we fail dismally. We try sometimes to make our life move forward in a way that will be pleasing to God and we fail. It begins when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our hearts. You may be here this morning, you've been invited. Maybe you've come on your own. But as yet, you haven't had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Even if you've loved the service and you've loved everything that has happened, you feel a sense of emptiness in your heart where you need God to come into your life. You need Jesus to come into your life. You want God to put your life on the right course. When you look at your life, it's not going the right way. Things seem to be falling apart. They're going in the wrong direction. And you've tried your best to make it stop, but it's not stopping. I want to ask you today, the only way for your life to be changed is to give that life, broken as it is, into the hands of God Almighty. I want to pray for you as we're all standing right now, our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, you know what?
I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. My life is not pleasing to God. My life is not right before God. I just need prayer. I want to make that commitment. I want to start on this journey to see my life changed so that I can start walking in the fullness of God's vision for my life. Would you please pray for me? If that is you and you need the prayer right where you are standing, would you raise your hand, please? I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. And as you raise your hands, it's a sign where you say, I want my life to be made right before God. Thank you for those hands. Keep it raised. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Be one of those visionary people, one of those pioneering people. Don't allow fear to hold you back. Don't allow people's opinions to hold you back. You know your right is going the wrong direction. You know that things are not working well in your life. Why don't you give God a chance today? Raise your hand right where you are. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. I want to pray for every one of you who's raised your hands because the decision that you're making is one of the most important decisions you can ever make in your life. I want to ask you right where you are, would you just walk out of those aisles and just make your way to the front so that we can pray together. And as you walk, take all your belongings. Don't leave any of your belongings behind. That's right. Here they come. Give them a big hand. Here they come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Here they come. Give them a big hand.